0: This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies. From healthcare breakthroughs, to electric vehicles, to a green energy revolution, Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses, shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Chloe, a reporter at New Model Advisor, and today we are talking about women in financial services. Uh, We're recording this on the Friday, Friday 16th, and on Monday this week, um, CityWire published our annual Alpha Female report, um, which looks into gender diversity in the fund management industry. So some of the key findings are, the report revealed that the move towards gender parity ground to a halt in 2022, um, and women only make up about 12% of the fund management industry. And this number hasn't changed much. Um, It's improved just 1.7% in seven years, and only 0.2% since last year. Um, Men also dominate fund launches. Um, About 10% of new funds are assigned to female portfolio managers. And while firms have broadly succeeded in bringing in more women at entry-level roles, um, these women kind of rarely progress past analyst roles. Um, The way that the report put it is that the pipeline of female talent is being sort of choked off. Um, And that is despite the fact that um, there is really good evidence that including women in your team doesn't actually hinder performance, it it increases it. Um, And mixed teams produce good returns at a lower risk um, in that industry. And, on the back of that report I wrote a piece about gender diversity in advice and platforms um, which are two industries that also suffer from a lack of gender diversity and I wanted to bring that discussion to the podcast Um, so I'm here with women in financial services to talk about their experiences and think about the kinds of initiatives that they'd want to see come to fruition. Um, so I'm joined by Rachel Robertson, the head of finance, risk and compliance for the platform Moultries, and Andrea Asimovic, an investment associate at Elston, which is an investment consultancy. Um, so now I'll let Rachel and Andrea introduce themselves. Um, Rachel, if you want to start off. Thanks, Chloe.
1: Uh, as a I- uh, as Chloe said, my name is Rachel, um, I've been with uh, Um we're a platform um, servicing wealth managers, um, and uh, my job really encompasses a lot, so um, I've ended up in a bit of a take it all in uh, role, so um, I think we see that classically, <laughs> and one of the things that we've actually highlighted um, within the Alpha Female report as well, so um, I think that's quite an interesting and, and real-life example for myself. And Andrea, if you want to introduce yourself?
2: Yes, thank you, Chloe. Um, I am Andrea, as said, and I'm an investment associate and ESG specialist at Elston Consulting, which designs and builds uh, investment solutions for UK wealth advisors, uh, wealth managers and financial advisors. Um, So I just joined there Elston one year ago, so I'm rather fresh to the industry, Uh, but I'm really happy that I can discuss um, about women in finance and uh, contribute to this. (laughs)
0: Great, thank you both. Um, So, yeah, the first question that I had, which is obviously quite broad and can be taken into many different directions, but what has been your experience of being a woman in in financial services? Um, Andrea, if you wanna wanna start off, but, you know, Rachel, you can jump in whenever.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, So, as I said, I recently graduated and um, while I was at the university, The thing is that most of my cohort were male. (laughs) So I finished my master's in finance and investment and I was one of the few girls there. So I would have assumed that uh, it would be very male dominated to begin with even without joining the workforce and finding a job. But I'm very fortunate because at Elston there is no gender inequality because 60% of uh, employees are women. So I cannot say from my personal experience that I've uh, experienced uh, the lack of um, women in finance, but I've seen it around from my friends and from university. And um, I can just give my opinion from there because I was lucky enough to find a good employer. Absolutely. What
0: about you, Rachel?
2: yeah
1: so i mean i came up um on a big four uh audit traineeship so i mean there's very many people that have done that and um, to get my chartered accountancy and when you start that it was it was almost exactly 50 50 i'm not sure if that was necessarily by design but um that was the case but it is the a classic you know attritional you know female drop-off model when you're in that um industry when you're in the big four um you know of let's say 20 partners that I worked with or was in the office with, maybe two or three were female. They were brilliant, but they were, you know, significantly fewer than uh, the male partners. Um, and then I guess jumping over into Muldry's, um, it's, it's, it's roughly similar. You know, I think we've got relatively more senior males than, than women, but um, again, we're doing our best to kind of make sure that that's level at the start and then doing what we can to keep people um, going up and through. But of course, you know, when we work with our uh, wealth manager, IFA, et cetera, clients, we see very similar models. You know, some are much smaller organisations. Seems like it might be in some cases easier to have really great gender parity in those cases. And um, it's it's just such a struggle. I don't think anybody's doing anything wrong. But what does right look like, and how can we actually get to progress? Is the challenge?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I think for um, the, for the piece that I wrote after this this Alpha Female report, I looked into um, I got some figures from from the FCA on on um, the number of, of female advisors. So they don't record um, they don't um, they don't gather data on people's gender, um, but they do have um, data on, on titles, so, you know, Mr, Mrs, etc. Um, and so when it comes to to those registered as CF 30, um, which is designation for customer facing advisors, um, there's over 7000 people that use Mr um, and about 1500 they use either Miss, Miss or Mrs. Um, and for platforms, we don't really have that much data. But the number of women actually running the platform business are so being at the very top, um, we only have three. We have uh, Verona Kenny at Seven AM, Jackie Boylan for Fidelity, and Jackie Leaper at Embark. Um, so there seems to be um, this this issue, which I which I'll mention in the report, where you bring in a lot of women, um, perhaps at entry level roles, but then you know when it when it comes to when in, When it's about kind of bringing them forward into the organization and and making sure that they reach those top roles there seems to be obstacles that face women more than they they face men um so if yeah what what do you think of of this sort of this this notion of the pipeline of of female talent being choked off so you know i
1: i keep um a spread or a spreadsheet you know i'm an accountant so always i keep a spreadsheet keep a spreadsheet on my desktop of um, and it's just called impossible jobs and uh, uh, my best example my favorite example I saw just last month and it's for a, a job in m um, and and uh, under the key skills section so the key skills section first thing qualified accountant yep that is the natural skill that people can have uh, analytical with strong IT skills knowledge of the restructuring services industry okay yep all making sense with it now The fifth one down this line is a commitment and willingness to work under Mm. pressure, sometimes long Mm. hours. It's not a skill (laughs) to be able to work long hours. It's a privilege to be able to work long hours. And if we're looking at an industry, you know, where, or sorry, a reality, a culture where women are more likely to be the primary carers for children or other people with care requirements, it, it's, it's something that's just really impossible. So, you know, I look back, I've got a two-year-old now, um, I look back at my privilege three years ago of being able to work even five, ten minutes late in the office and not having to run to collect, you know, from nursery or whatever. And building that kind of thing mm. into this job spec, I didn't know the person that posted it on LinkedIn well enough to call them out, but I, I found that really embarrassing that you would describe the ability to work long hours as, as a key skill. It's just something people don't necessarily have. The biggest thing I think we can do is, is, you know, uh, International Women's Day this year, the the theme was break the bias. The biggest thing Mm -hmm. we can do is reverse that bias uh, or reverse where we're breaking it and say, this isn't how the industry has to work. Let's change the way that we're working. Let's change the requirements of a skilled person in our industry to move away from just plugging away, just appearing at things, just being able to do anything at any time. So that's that's, that's my favorite spreadsheet. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah, I would like to say that I agree with the point that the work-life balance is uh, very important, especially for, for women if they're planning on starting a family. And uh, that comes with um, obligations as picking up kids from the nursery and things like that. Um, And um, I think that uh, recently the situation has gone better with COVID uh, because flexible working uh, was introduced everywhere. So I think at that point, even fathers could take uh, upon the childcare and mothers could split between if they were working partially in the office two days a week, they could just split some days uh, the the father would work some days the mother and then that way it's, um, it's more equal. So I think that's contributed a lot. Now with the back to the office again, um, policy after COVID, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to go back to the old, how Mm. it used to be, where women would need to leave work earlier to pick up uh, their kids or um, ask family members to take care of them. So um, work-life balance is important, but also family is very important for women, sometimes more than men, just because they're, more of caregivers because they go through that so it's um it's a norm i would say but it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be the ones leaving work earlier fathers could go as well and they can split
0: yeah absolutely time. absolutely i think you know implementing flexible hours implementing <clears throat> more remote working that would really that, that's you know a fantastic solution that's part of the the, the solutions that could be implemented can you <clears throat> do you have any other sort of initiatives that you think um kind of tangible initiatives that you think companies could implement to really make sure that women are, are um feel welcome and feel
2: supported um in in the workplace um there there are many things that can be done about it um i would like to start from the fact that women are usually more modest about success than men so when it comes to more senior roles men are more um open more bold when it comes to saying about their success talking about it being more alpha it's just a norm in the society. And then there are biases. For example, if a woman is competent and authoritative, she is getting respect, but is disliked. So the problem in that is that um, more women are modest and then they have lower confidence because they compare themselves to, the, to men who are more loud about their success. And then maybe they think they lack some skill and they're a bit insecure because they don't, they don't dare to showcase it. So I think a good initiative would be, for example, women in finance awards uh, or fund manager awards that are female, just to incentivize and to make women perceive that women are capable of doing that. And there are many successful women out there doing it already, just to motivate them and push them a bit further. Because women are not, are not tend to be more risk averse. And if they're more risk averse, um, they wouldn't dare to move forward with their career, to step up they would just stay in their comfort zone on their analyst role or associate role they wouldn't just fight for it while men tend to fight for it harder and finance is a very masculine industry and it's very competitive so if you don't compete with men or against men you you just wouldn't land that role and that's why it's important to showcase the awards to to make a noise around women who are successful in that and to kind of have role models and mentors because if you have a role model which is a female you just want to look up to her and say she did it i can do this too we have a similar background similar interest and i think it's possible it's uh, it's doable yeah absolutely what do you think rachel
1: a hundred percent and that really is that sort of point around the competition if you're going to call it that between men and women um You've got to make sure that some of the judges are women as well. So whether that's at the earliest stages of careers in interviews, making sure that you've got a balanced panel um, so that those sort of differences between men and women aren't lost on the panel. You know, it's not just that, you know, you get judged away for being too shy or too quiet or not bragging or going on about, you know, certain parts of your skills. You know a more factual base and again of course we're making sort of gender assumptions here but um, I, I think we can sort of broadly see those things to be true and then further on as well making sure that that competition when it comes time to discuss um, job roles changes um, or salary increases or bonuses or whatever that you've got female judges in that panel to make sure that they are reflecting the realities of being a woman in the business as well you know, I always say I'm really lucky in this organisation in Moultries to work for men that have worked for women in the past. I think that significantly changes their lens on things. You know, so when it came time to discuss my maternity, they were very comfortable having experienced it from both angles. Um, You know, they were very comfortable about how to help me build that, how to make it flexible for me, how to make my return to work work. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's just improving... The, the, the scope of what women do now conversely that is going to increase the demand on women of course it is because you know now if you're one of five women in the business of a hundred you're going to have to show up to more interviews you're going to have to show up to more of these panel events for um, promotions and so on but that's and and that's I guess the problem. We are gonna have to do more in order to make more happen. And I think in some of those cases we can't rely on other people doing that for us. We are just gonna have to
0: to make that time. Which takes us right back to the problem of having enough time i think what both of you have mentioned really fit with this idea that ultimately it's it's about culture you know you can implement a lot of policies um to hire more women you can implement um a mentoring initiative but ultimately you have to make sure that the culture the dna of, of the company really understands that women is women can do the same job as men and they they can be just as um successful and and just as good at what they do right and i think it's something that is probably probably the biggest obstacle because you can it's easy enough to implement policies but to change people's mindset and people's deeply held beliefs about women is much more difficult right and it's interesting because it's a few of the comments on on the piece that i wrote were kind of along the lines of you know maybe women don't want to join the industry maybe it's just not in their nature and i think that really exemplifies the problem because it doesn't examine at all why it is that women don't want to don't want to join the industry it's not an innate difference it's not it's not something that is just you know um immovable and unchangeable about us um it's about enabling women to consider it as a career path and when they're in that career to actually support them, right? It's just, to to me, those comments were really indicative of the sort of, um, the culture shift that still needs to happen, I think.
2: What I would like to add to that is that um, the industry itself is quite intimidating um, to begin with and very numerical. And a lot of people are, first of all, afraid of that. They're afraid of dealing with numbers and they just don't choose those career paths. Uh, because, for example, most female-dominated dominated occupations are personal care workers. So, they, women tend to just take care of, uh, be the ones that take care of other people. And in finance, you, you don't get to do that. It's more cold, um, uh, less um, personal. And um, the problem with that is also not the biases that men have against women. It's the biases that women have towards women as well so it's as you said it's culturally um, it's deep in our values to accept something as true, and even though I'm a woman, sometimes I find myself thinking um if I see some competent and authoritative, authoritative uh woman, I would be like, "Oh, she seems cold and then i why why do I think that she's competent if it were a man, I would think that he's a great at his work he he must be very successful." So we need to change our own values. And and that's the problem because we, it's so deep um, in the society for years that it takes time to change and shift. So that's why I think also women sometimes don't dare, but then they also sometimes lack support. It depends. Sometimes people are really supportive towards them, but they're not supportive towards themselves. They don't dare to take a step further because they're afraid. And other times they want to take the step further, but they're blocked. Um, so it's very difficult to to find a solution which is um, which is easy and implementable, fast.
1: Yeah, and and I think we probably see the exact same across uh, STEM industries and so on. You know, my uh, uh, two of my sisters are in STEM um and you know they are in the vast minority in in their areas of work but you know they they again they have to make the time to make sure that they are mentoring other women that they are being aware of those issues and making sure that they do what they can to support more and and pull more women in i mean one in particular is uh she um she teaches at a university so you know when she sees women coming up through those courses and so on you know she's doing what she can to to keep that supported but again you talk about that intimidation factor it's so true and you know and i think as well also um nodding towards intersectionality women of color trans women and so on uh, we're we're It's even harder, you know, I I think, you know, you you pile kind of layers and layers of intimidation, of concern, of just fear of what the culture might look like. You know, I think looking in, I I, I don't believe it's true, but, you know, it could probably look a lot like, you know, walking around the city of London on, you know, whatever Thursday afternoon and it's everyone standing outside, outside the pubs um, and uh, drinking away. That's probably an image of the culture that a lot of people have. And, you know, thinking about, you know, I don't know, sort of 15, 16 year old girl coming up through school, thinking about what she's going to study and then what her career path is going to be. It might just not look like that is an an open possibility for them. And so, yeah, again, maybe we can start even earlier. Maybe we can change what the image of the industry is for people of that age so that eventually we, we really slowly move that up.
0: And I think we're coming up to the end of our discussion. But before we um, we finish, I just wanted to ask um, both of you, do you feel optimistic about the direction in which everything is, is going? You know, despite the fact that the, the Alpha Female report painted quite a gloomy picture. Ov- overall, how do you feel about where women are in this industry and and how it seems to to be evolving?
1: I'm super optimistic, Chloe. Um, I know that's not necessarily fact-based, but I, I really feel like the biggest thing any company can do, the biggest thing the industry can do is be cognizant of this issue and be aiming to think about it in a way that will open up some sort of action whatever it might look like i think we've probably seen some efforts where mistakes have been made but effort is effort all the same and we're more mature about this we're much more knowledgeable knowledgeable about this i really think we can get there and you know i think very slow progress last year but there's a lot going to go on in the industry over the next year i think the economy is going to have some impact on all of this as well we're just gonna have to wait and see that's my mom's favorite (laughs) phrase but you know it's a good one and i think we're just gonna have to wait but it is gonna get what about you andrea how do you feel
2: Mm -hmm. uh same as rachel i'm very optimistic um i think it's because there's a lot of awareness around this and it's a topic that's talked about so it's not something that it's not a problem that's put under the carpet and left there people are talking about it they're having initiatives It may be slow paced, but I think the the future is bright (laughs) and there's a lot of efforts put into it. So I think, (laughs) uh, eventually and soon enough it will happen great
0: that's a great note to end on um so andrea and rachel thank you so much for for being here and um thank you everybody for listening um if you'd like to get in contact with us about this episode we're on twitter at new model advisor or feel free to get in contact with me directly um i'm c Melly m-e-l-e-y at citywire.co.uk um thanks again everyone and we will see you next week
2: thank you chloe thank you rachel thank you
0: This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies. From healthcare breakthroughs, to electric vehicles, to a green energy revolution, Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses, shaping our future economy and society. As with any
2: investment, capital is at risk.